0: For Christmas, we've been in a, a little mini-series here we're doing. We're called Born Unto Us, and we're looking at births in the Bible. We're looking at stories of birthdays and how those birthdays remind us of the best birthday that we celebrate. And so I, I love uh, looking up some uh, birthday birthdays. So actually today, December 17th, we have some birthdays. Uh, Beethoven was born in 1770. Manny Pacquiao was born today. Anyone knew that? 1978. Michelle Tafoya. I put Michelle, I believe she lives around here, but she's one of my wife's favorite people. My Kelly, who you just saw up here, her like one of her dreams is to be a sideline reporter uh, for the NFL. Anytime we watch a game, she tries as fast as she can to ask questions before the reporters do to prove that she can ask better questions. (laughs) And if she asks the same question, she gets points for that. So, uh, I don't know what those points are for. They'll get cashed in at some point. And of course, we all know, right, we're here to celebrate Ernie's birthday. Everyone knows Ernie Hudson, right? The greatest Ghostbuster ever. He was born today in 1945. So we're not, we're not here, right, to celebrate them. Interesting, though, fun to see people who are born today. We're here to think about the birth uh, of a boy who points us to Jesus. And his story goes way back, and his family has a very interesting story. And so the story goes all the way back. It starts where we kind of left off last week. Last week, you looked at the family of Adam and Eve and their son Cain. Cain, who then ended up actually killing his brother. And uh, that story is tied to this story. And so way, way back, uh, they decided to turn from God. And the story we know from Genesis 2 and 3, And uh, in that story, we hear uh, of them turning from God and deciding to eat the fruit God has not called them to. And God's saying, "This this is not the way for life, it's the way for death. And they actually are cursed from that then. I think it's actually Genesis 3 that we're in here. But the curse then comes not just to Adam and Eve, but also to this creature, this serpent, the adversary, Satan, that we know wants to lie to us, wants us to believe we don't need God or God doesn't have our best. And so he curses this This serpent, and he gives a promise that God's people will carry with them the same promise we carry today with us. He says, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And you will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This right here at the bottom of 15, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel is the image that we get in this great picture we shared last week. If you look down at the bottom there, if we zoom in, crushing heads. I love this and this image. In fact, if you go to uh, Immaculate Conception, a Catholic church here in town, there's a statue of Mary outside the church and it's very sweet. Uh, and if you look close, she's crushing a snake's head kind of a cool like, oh, that's sweet. I went there a while ago with one of our daughters and we walked up close and she said, who's this beautiful woman? Uh, but she's so beautiful. And then we got close and saw the snake head and her foot crushed. She goes, whoa. I was like, oh yeah. She goes, Oh, she's like a warrior. I said, yeah, kind of. <laughs> her son for sure. And so uh, we get this picture, this promise way back, right when sin enters the world, that in the story of God's people, And the story of this family, somebody will come along and crush the head of this serpent. The serpent will strike him, hurt him, but he will crush the head of this serpent. And so this is our story today. What what does that look like? How do we get to that point? And so the story continues and God's people uh, continue. And eventually God comes to a guy named Abram. uh, And he continues his family through this guy named Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I'll bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God comes to Abram, actually he isn't a, a worshiper of God but God says, I'm going to use you. You, pagan worshiper, this guy who, I'm, I'm asking you to turn to me and through you, I'm going to bless all of the earth for generations. And I'll protect you. And those who come after you, I will, I, I will keep away. In fact, that if they dishonor you, I will curse them. And in your family, all the earth will be blessed. So Abram says yes to him. And so now, not only does God's people carry this great promise of the serpent's head being crushed, now Abram and his family carry this sweet promise that their families will be a blessing to the earth. And so it continues. In Genesis 15, we see then the word of the Lord came, comes to him again. This is Abram, whose name eventually is changed to Abraham. This man will not uh, be your heir. He's, he's upset because he can't have a son. He's even growing old. He can't. He, he wants to have an heir. And part, part of it, he's feeling this, part of this story, this promise he's carrying with him is one that, you're going to have, like, your family, which means your family will carry on. It's going to bless the world. And he's thinking, I don't have a, I have a wife. I don't have a family, though. I don't have heirs who will go on to do this. How are you going to do this, God? But still carrying this promise with him. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, you shall so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited uh, to him as righteousness. So God walks. He he's thinking, you've given me this promise for uh, heirs that are going to carry a blessing. And God doesn't say, yeah, yeah, just trust me, you'll get a son. He walks him outside and he says, you understand how big this promise is that you're carrying? This is how big your family's going to be. You're thinking of hoping to have a son. And he stands them before the stars and he says, look, this, this is how big your family is going to be. A moment that kind of maybe reinvigorates that promise that, that uh, Abram in that moment goes, okay, I believe you're still holding on to this promise that God has given him, believing that God is with him and will carry him through that as he looks up at a night sky and sees all of those stars in the sky. Well, then something interesting happens. Uh, there's this moment when uh, Abraham is with his wife, and these three people appear uh, to him. They seem angelic, or in fact, they seem maybe like God himself, uh, and they he, he um, serves them. So they come to him on a hot day, and he sits with them in the shade, and he... Um, serves them. It's, it's actually a sweet picture of what it looks like to sacrifice or even be obedient to the Lord. Uh, it's not so much like, here's some things I have to do to make God happy, but God comes to him, and in his hospitality, he says, how can I get you cool water and something to eat? And serves them out of just this great hospitality. And then one of them, this three, right? One of them says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after uh, I am worn out and my Lord is old, I will now have this pleasure? I can feel that. She she hears someone say, oh, by the time I come back next year, you'll have a kid. And she goes, I'm way past that. She smiles laughs to herself, yeah, my husband is old and I'm old and now I'm going to have a kid. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, I will really, uh, will I really have a son now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. I love it. He, he hears her. And he says, why would she laugh at that? I'm giving you this promise that this is going to happen. And how could the Lord not do that? Of course the Lord could do that. Almost another moment for them to go, you think you can't have a son? You're going to have this many sons and daughters. Oh, you think you're too old to have a son? I'll see you next year with your son. And now Sarah was afraid, so she lied, because he heard her. And she said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. I like that. I wish I could hear the actual tone in that conversation. Uh, and then she says, I didn't laugh. And you're like, I think he heard you laugh. And he says, yes. And so these three men stand uh, outside, having given them another promise that they hold on to, really the continued same promise. You will have a family and your family will bless the earth. Your family will not just be a blessing, but be enormous in numbers. And so Sarah and Abraham do become pregnant. Uh, and they do have a son. And so this story uh, points us to the birth story that we typically look at this time of year. The story of uh, a man who was born humbly in a stable, in a manger with his mom and dad. He grows up to be the one who carries us, carries the cross in order to rescue us. It's incredible. And so as we continue, where where does that birth story go? As we look from Isaac and his family flying forward and pointing us to God's family, still Abraham's family, and the birth of the one who would rescue us, who would go on a hill and would be sacrificed so that we could be given life. So I want to continue to carry this story. We have Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, these God's people, carrying these promises that God has given them one especially of one that God would come and rescue his people. And we can't forget the, the first promise of him crushing the head uh, of this snake. And so there is a birth that happens, a few of them actually. Uh, and so let's look at those as we continue to look at what it looks like to be, or to see people carrying uh, God's promises with them. In the sixth month uh, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is Mary's, Uh, Cousin, it's like um, she's giving birth to John the Baptist. So Jesus cousin. She's pregnant. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So an angel, Gabriel, comes to Mary, who is from descendant of David, who is descendant essentially of Abraham's family. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. If if an angel shows up to you, that's the greeting you want. You're highly favored. The Lord's with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. It's got to be overwhelming to see an angel and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Sounds like it's happening. It sounds like a son who fi- is finally coming to crush the head of the serpent, and the son who is one of the stars in the sky that Abraham looked up to. And in that moment, Mary gets to stop and consider what's about to happen. The, the years and years and years and generations that had heard the story of God's people waiting, waiting, waiting. When will one finally come? It wasn't Isaac who was sacrificed and rescued God's people. And now is this really it? Is her son the one? And so Mary's response to this is, yes, I, I'm i here. I'm your servant. And so she actually runs off to see her family and tell them this incredible news. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill uh, country of Judea where she entered uh, Zechariah's Zechariah home and greeted Elizabeth, who's pregnant right now with her son, John, who we know later, John the Baptist. I don't think they called him John the Baptist when he was in there, just John the baby, probably. Then Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. So we have Zechariah now, we have Mary here in this moment, we have little baby John in her belly. And she enters the room and John leaps in her belly. He's so excited and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit In a loud voice she explained exclaimed blessed are you young woman and blessed is the child you will bear but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. They're so overwhelmed. They now get to sit in the presence of Jesus essentially so excited the spirits moving so much that even her baby leaps for joy all of them holding carrying this promise of God. And seeing the joy that comes from now, seeing the Lord is doing it. He's fulfilling this promise. As soon as the sound of her greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I love it. I love this picture of, of them. This is great. is this great? King Jesus and little uh, John the Baptist leaping for joy in there. What a beautiful uh, picture. And so in this moment, if you can picture, like feel this moment that they're standing there. Elizabeth can't believe it. He's here. He's right there in her her belly. My son can't believe it. My son who gets to be the one who is called uh, out of the wilderness to tell everyone this good news. They all get to celebrate this moment and really hold him. Mary literally carrying him. And so she sings a song, uh, one that we uh, last year studied a little bit. But Mary herself uh, sings this song, this poem. And part of the poem is this, from now, all generations will will, uh, call me blessed. There's that blessing that's coming through Abraham's family. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel. Remember, Remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. Mary's prayer in that moment with Elizabeth and baby John and Zechariah is God, you are fulfilling that promise that we all have been carrying for so, so long right now. And he's right here, right here. She's, she gets to literally carry the promise incredible. All these people for all this time and today, Lord, that thing you told Abraham is true. It's happening. And so the baby Jesus is born and worshiped by shepherds and magi and wise people and all sorts of people begin to come and want to worship him, this humble baby. Our God actually coming to us to dwell with us, to be near to us. We read Luke 2, And then they went with haste and found, these are the shepherds, they went and found Mary and Joseph, the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen that it had been told to them. So they were told, if you remember the story, that the angels come to them in the field and say, he's here, the promised one that you've been carrying, the, the promise you've been carrying with you for so long, for so many generations. How many nights have they sat in the field and looked up at the stars and remembered the story of their father, Abraham, and said, God, where is this family? Is this ever gonna happen? And they came and said, it's happening. And they run with haste to Mary and Joseph, and they say it's, it's real. And there's wonder and there's awe and there's amazement and all this excitement. He, he's here, he's finally here. I wonder if they actually got to even hold him, if a few of them get to literally carry and hold Jesus in their arms. Anyway, I'm holding the promise, it's here, in the flesh. I love it. In that moment we hear Mary treasured these things up. She pondered them and held them close in her heart, carrying that with her, as they gathered around and got to continue carrying God's promise and literally holding God's promise in their arms. I can't imagine. And we hear in Luke more people who get to see him. In fact, a man named Simeon, I can't imagine this moment for him for many, many years, holding tight to God's faithfulness and his righteousness and his promise and saying, God, I know you're going to do this. You're really going to come and you're really going to crush the head of the serpent. You're really going to rescue God's people. So now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. This guy isn't just my family's been waiting and I hope some generation will see the Messiah, that God had told him, you will see the Messiah in your lifetime. Can you imagine holding on to that? Thinking, this is incredible. Not, I hope I make it to see the Messiah. I'm gonna get to see the Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was custom the law, required, Simeon took him in his arms, and he praised God. The man who's been waiting his whole life to hold, to carry the promise, literally gets to go and hold the promise. And listen to what he says. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. It's incredible. You know, what he, says, he says here, he's in the temple. He's in the temple courts, the place where the Jewish people would come to fulfill the law. They'd do the things so that to, in order to make sacrifices, to make God happy, to, to do all the, the laws. And he says, here it is. The thing that's going to end all of this, the thing that's going to bring peace, I'm getting to hold and see salvation in my arms. And it's a light, not just for God's people, but for all people, even Gentiles. You are coming to change the whole world and all people. I love this, this uh, artwork. It just—I I can't imagine the feeling of a man who's been waiting to see the child, and he sees him, and he holds him. The promise is real, and it's happening. And this little one will grow up to be a man who will carry all of us and all of our sins to a cross and carry all of our death that we deserved to a cross and he will die and be put into a, a tomb and then he will carry us out of the grave. Incredible. And we get to carry that good promise with us. Uh, I sent a link this week in our, our, our weekly update. There's an interview actually with uh, Grace Remington who did this uh, drawing. Uh, she is a sister in, in Dubuque who also makes uh, really good candy, which I don't know if it gets better, that she makes this artwork and candy. She's uh, amazing. Anyway, there's an interview with her and she's sharing how she thought of this. And something really struck me from her, uh, her, the interview. The picture is of Mary and Eve. This is her explaining it, but Jesus is there too. He is, in fact, at the very center If it was just a picture of an unpregnant Mary with Eve, it might be lovely, but the presence of Jesus in that picture is what gives it real meaning. If Jesus wasn't there, I don't think people would be so drawn to it. It I always think of this during Advent. Even before his birth, Christ was already among us with Mary. So many Advent texts talk about waiting the coming of the Savior, and we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, but he was there for nine months before that. Christmas night, and now we too, we live in the now, but not yet of the coming of God's kingdom. She's she's reminding us that we get to carry this promise, this good news, this one with us. That Christmas isn't that we celebrated He was born, and that He eventually went to the cross for us and died and rose, and that now we just kind of hang out without Him and hope for the day He returns. But we live in this this. Uh, uh, not yet season, right? Not in the darkness and not in the glory that's to come where God will make all things right, but we live in a time where we still get to carry him with us, kind of an Advent season forever until he comes and restores all things. And so we too, kind of like Mary, get to carry Jesus with us, carry that promise with us, which brings about so many truths so that as we go through our day, we're reminded that resurrection is real, that we have a God who can bring things to life that were dead, things we cannot bring to life and have tried so hard to bring to life and he can bring to life. Approval and love of a God who deeply cares for us. I get to carry that with me all day. In every situation, in every relationship, every hard conversation, I get to leave that and not go, my hope is drained and gone because this person just really hurt me. I get to leave that going. I still get to carry with me the fact that the creator of the universe loves me so deeply that he'd be born as a child and would die a death for me and raise me to life. We get to carry with us the great comfort and peace of a God who can bring peace and will one day make all things right. This is incredible. What we carry with us changes everything, not just us, but those around us. And so in the same tradition as our old friend Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and as Simeon and Elizabeth and John and Mary and Joseph and the whole crew, the whole family, all the stars, we get to all continue to carry the promise of God that he will come, that he has come to crush that serpent and will one day restore all things to the way they were meant to be. Colossians uh, 3 gives me the same picture here as we wrap up. Uh, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. It's explaining kind of us. And we're these like jars of clay, fragile, right? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. I think of it as like we're carrying this Jesus, the spirit with us, right? This powerful spirit. And we're frail, right? We're like jars that could easily be broken, but because of what we're carrying with us, because of what Abraham was carrying and Sarah was carrying, they're old, old people who shouldn't be having kids, but because of what they were carrying with them, what their faith was in, they suddenly became these powerful things that were having a child that were willing to even give their child to the Lord. These people who carried, these jars of clay who carried this power of God, that we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed because of of what we carry with us, within us, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. We carry his death with us. This is why we feel. This is the pain we feel and the brokenness we feel so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to the death of Jesus, for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. He's saying we're carrying the death. This is what we feel right now. This is the not yet part, right? We feel the brokenness. Sometimes this time of year, even more acutely, at the same time we carry resurrection with us. Which is really good news. And one day we will no longer even carry death with us. And we get to carry this good, good promise with us. So I just ask us as we uh, wrap up, when I invite the worship team up here so we can worship uh, together. I want us to consider what we're carrying with us. Now, I, you might say, "Oh, I carry like my phone and my wallet and my keys." Anyone do like the? I do this dance sometimes when I leave my house. My kids think it's funny. Dad, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing the pat down my pockets. I just saw some wives look at husbands. The pat down the pockets. Yep, I got everything. Uh, If something's in the wrong pocket, I feel like something's off. I have to move keys to the right. I'm not really just talking about that. I mean, I hope you have your keys so you can get home. Like, there's so much more we carry with us, right? Hurt. We carry joys with us. We carry, uh, like, our heads, all this stuff that's bouncing around our heads and our hearts. We might literally be carrying other humans with us, dragging them with us. All these things around us we're carrying with us. And those things all play out very differently if at the core of us, at the core of our broken jars, these fragile vessels, if the core isn't that we're carrying the promise of a God who's come to crush Satan's head, a God who's come because he deeply loves you and cares for you. We get to carry that same old promise that he gave to Abraham and he fulfilled in Mary and Jesus and, and we get to hold salvation just like Simeon did which changes everything as I walk through and have to carry other things it's really good news I mean, it's, it's crazy news that we get to hold that promise with us as we go through. And so I encourage you to consider now as we move into a time to respond, what does that look like? There's a few questions to consider here. Uh, have, have you decided to hold on to Jesus? That's really a, a description of maybe how you could describe faith. It's holding on to the promise of God, believing it's true that God will do what he has said and he has done in Christ and will do as Christ returns. Have you said yes to that? What promises are you carrying with you? Is there room for Jesus there? Is he actually maybe the foundational thing that, that, that holds that jar of clay together? Uh, who reminds you of these promises of God in your life? Who helps you uh, remember that he's good and that his promises are good? And, and who needs to know that we've seen and held salvation and that they too can hold salvation? What a beautiful thing this Christmas to consider. We have different ways we love to respond here. We're going to do together here and sing as we continue to celebrate. There's communion tables out in the hallways. We'd love for you to participate. And that's an opportunity to remember that Christ, uh, that a thing that Christ commanded us to do as believers, to say, hey, I want you to get together. I want you to remember my body was broken as you crack that cracker. And, and as you drink that grape juice, remember that my blood was shed so that you could have life. He carried that suffering for us so we get to do that. We get to sing together with our worship team and lift up our voices. We get to pray. And so there'll be people in the back of the room who would love to pray for you. Uh, please take advantage of that or even just, just sit and pray yourself. You also, also give as a response. There's a, a black box out the communion tables on this side, or you can do that online. Let me pray for us and we'll continue worshiping this good God. Lord, we uh, uh, love you. You have come in person to rescue us. And I pray as Simeon held you and and worshipped, knowing he was holding salvation, that right now as we sing and, and this week and the next, as we walk through this season, we would just keep holding on to you. And that we could say over and over, I've seen and held salvation and I still hold salvation. And that would change our hearts and our minds. Thank you that you were willing to carry our burden. And rescue us from sin and death. And Lord, that you have crushed uh, the head of the serpent, that you have uh, put an end. And we pray for that day that we can't wait that you come back and make all things right. We pray this in your good, good name. Amen.